Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You can add this to stories that most people forgot about. This Jack Teixeira indicted on charges that he stole classified documents. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. This guy, Teixeira, a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, facing six counts of willful retention and transmission of national defense information. This according to the Justice Department. He leaked documents that involved the war in Ukraine, involved things in uh, our relationship with Israel, other things, very damning and damaging things that the press was very quick not to talk about. Like super quick not to talk about. And if somebody says, well, this guy had classified uh, documents, if he should be charged, why not Trump? If, if you're going to tell me about a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard versus the president of the United States, you're, you're not serious. You're not a serious person. And also, uh, President Trump did get charged. Uh, let's see the, the difference. Of course this guy should be charged. Of course he should be charged. The documents described in the indictment include information about compromise by a foreign adversary of certain accounts belonging to a U.S. company, the provision of equipment of Ukraine, how it would be transferred, how it would be used, troop, troop movements in Ukraine, a plot by a foreign adversary to target U.S. forces abroad, Western deliveries of supplies to Ukraine, and a shift in foreign and economic policy of a foreign government and actions that country took in an effort to repair its relationship with the U.S. to the perceived detriment of a separate foreign country. is in jail while he awaits trial. Absolutely. Good. This was the right move and the right maneuver. There are moments where we should not have some level of of disagreement just because there's a D or an R after the name. There is right and there is wrong. Now, there is the law. And when we talk about specifically this Trump indictment, there's a difference between the the, the left, the right, and the law. If the left wants to say, how dare Trump have these documents? If the right wants to say he had every right to have these documents, they can have that fight. What does the law say? Since the president runs the executive branch and the president can declassify anything the president chooses, I think it's very possible, if not probable, that the taking of the documents is the declassifying of the documents. That's it. Game over. Now, that's the law. Does it change the court of public opinion? That is the question. In the court of public opinion, does the taking of the documents make people look at Trump with more disdain? Or do they take a look at the prosecution of him and say, I'm sympathetic to him. Enough is enough. Leave the dude alone already, you freaks. That's court of public opinion stuff. And I would argue that the jury is still out. I have made two claims, and some people think that these claims are contradictory. I don't believe that they are. I believe that they are the the clear, observable facts. Trump 
is more popular than CNN and MSNBC give them credit for. Going to that restaurant afterwards, the cheering that took place, they sang happy birthday, they're praying for him. There is not a Democrat who could walk into a restaurant anywhere in the country and get the entire restaurant to stand up, cheer, and pray for them. Could not happen, would not happen, mainly because they don't believe in God. I kid, I kid, not so much. It just would never happen. Nobody captures the imagination that much. Trump is more popular than people give him credit for. In the same breath I can state, and Trump is still despised, and people are exhausted by him in massive swaths of the country. That's a fact. Both things are true. Trump is loved by more people than the left is willing to admit. Trump is despised or people are exhausted by him in more places than Trump acolytes are willing to admit. Both things are true. Both things are true. So when I take a look at the the indictment, I discuss the law part. The other part has yet to play itself out. Do I, I, I've said to you, I'm not so sure Trump wins a, a general. I'm not there. I could get there. I'm not there today. And nothing has proven to me that he can. Doing well in polls against Republicans is different than doing well in a general and where America's at. There's a difference between the two things. I don't know why it's so hard to say. But there should be nothing that divides the left or the right and whether or not this guy, Jack Teixeira, should be charged. Gathering this information, basically hacking in and getting it, and I'm calling it hacking in, and then disseminating it? Damn straight he should be charged. And the rest of his life should be spent in jail or worse. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I find some of the market talk confusing, and specifically the talk about how we think this economy is going. Because you and I both know, living on Midwest Main Street as we do, that things aren't great. That the Federal Reserve didn't raise interest rates doesn't mean that inflation still isn't high. And as we've discussed, the credit crunch is going to further increase interest rates because banks are doing less lending for fear that people cannot pay the money back. This led to a conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, about the credit crunch, that banks are telling people like U.S. Auto Sales, which has a bunch of uh, used car dealerships in the Southeast, we won't lend you money to buy cars anymore because we don't think there's enough people out there to buy the cars because the interest rates are too high. And when banks go to lend groups like that money, they're going to charge a higher interest rate, which means a higher price for the car and there's less demand for the cars. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And then I came across this story. Retail sales rise 0.3% helped by stronger sales at auto dealers. And I lost my mind and I called Dr. Matt Will and I said, explain this. He joins us right now. Uh, He's on the road. Talk to me. This story doesn't make any sense. How are retail sales up when we just had this conversation about credit crunch while in the same breath, CNBC tells a story about how retailers are preparing for a discount-heavy down holiday season? Well, Tony, actually, everything you just said is consistent. But let me go back to, there's a whole bunch of ground to cover here. First, let me go back to the comments about the rate pause. 
if you notice, as soon as Jerome Powell announced the rate pause, the stock market went down and interest rates went up. Tony, that was a very clear indication that the market believes he's not acting responsibly. You and I know that market is an addict. They want those cheaper rates, but they also want him to control inflation. And when he announced, we're going to let inflation go a little bit, the market dropped and rates went up. So that's what happened last week. This report that just came out, though, this is a very interesting, there's so many aspects to it. I don't know if you want to start with the, the uh, lowering of the quality of what people are buying or the upcoming holiday season. What do you think? We can start with the fact that we're seeing uh, uh, inventories not go up at all. They're basically declining because there's, there's nobody buying in the future. And then how does that relate to stronger sales at auto dealers? Well, the auto dealers is a different story, Tony. I think what you're seeing is probably a one-month anomaly and also what we call uh, pre-demand. So when things get worse, when people think prices are going to go up, they go in and say, I got better buy it now rather than buy it later. So what you see there, Tony, is a little bit of concern that inflation isn't under control because core inflation actually last month went up, Tony. It went up to 5.3%. Core inflation went up. So what you see is a consumer saying, hey, I better buy it now before it gets more expensive next month. But that doesn't address with the shift in consumers, Tony. We also see a shift from people buying high-end goods going to lower-end establishments like Costco, like Walmart. So those people are seeing an increase in sales. The higher brands are seeing a decrease. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And to to further that point, uh, the CNBC uh, survey showed that middle price point items like jackets are dominating the early holiday order activity. Less than 20% of the orders are high-end items, which translates to little Johnny and little Sally still need a jacket so they can go to school and not be cold. But we're going to hold off on buying another big screen TV. Tony, let me, people may be wondering why we're talking about holiday sales you know, in June. The reason is because the, and the retailers are anticipating what's going to happen. So it's a really good leading indicator because they must place their orders now for the holiday season. And we're seeing that they're decreasing their orders. You mentioned it. Inventories are anticipated to decline based on the current orders, and they're shifting to lower um, items rather than high-value items. But they're also shifting in terms of a lack, right? They're not producing as much because they don't see the buying. So the credit crunch, we, even if they wanted to expand, they wouldn't be able to get the money to expand. And there's nothing to expand to because nobody's going to be buying in bulk in the large amounts of those items. These would all be indicators that this economy is heading in a bad direction. Yet all I hear from the White House, they were bragging about how inflation was down. But inflation is not down, Tony. That's, a, that's an absolute lie. Core inflation, when you remove the highly volatile instruments of energy and food. And by the way, energy is down because we're heading into a recession, Tony. So they like to brag about the fact that we're heading into a recession. What insanity is that? The reality is, Tony, that core inflation went up unexpectedly last month, 5.3%. The market's not happy about it. So you take a look at this thing about auto sales being up 0.3%, and it doesn't take you away from those thoughts on credit crunch. It's an anomaly. People got stuff in while they could, before it's too late, while they still had a dollar. The market 
that initially went down the other day after Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, said we're not going to raise interest rates, then went up. At one moment, it was up 300 points. So the question is, again, with the market being an indicator, is it really an indicator of anything? Very often we talked about the idea that that the market has already baked in these situations. The market's baked in the idea that that production is flat, that the manufacturers aren't manufacturing, and now the retailers are saying, oh, crap, this is going to be bad. No, Tony, let me tell you exactly what it means. And I, I try to explain this to my students all the time. When the market goes down a lot, it's bad. When the market goes up a lot, it's also bad. Why? That doesn't make sense. Because it's called volatility, Tony, standard deviation. When the market shoots up and shoots down, that's risk. Risk is volatility. Risk is when things fluctuate. We have a thing called VIX, V-I-X. People should look it up. It's called the fear index. The fear index is very high right now, Tony. So when you see the market shoot up 300% and down 400 points all in the same day, that is risk. That is not a good thing. We want less risk, not more risk. There's a fear index? Yes. It's a, it's, it, that's, the, uh, that's the pejorative phrase for it. It's called the volatility index, V-I-X. It measures the fear. Well, it measures standard. De- There's a nerdy definition, Tony. You don't care about it. So the pejorative phrase is it's the fear index. Okay, the volatility index, known as the VIX, takes a reading of the stock market's blood pressure, measuring investors' fear. You're saying that investors are afraid, but I need you to define investors. We're talking about people like me, people like, like, yeah. like you know, just, just investing in a stock here and there, or are we talking yeah. about the big funds making multi-billion dollar purchases? Both. Both, Tony. It's the professional investor, it's the, it's the retail investor, and it's everyone in between. The uh, uh, volatility index, by the way, it says 14.25, down a, a, a quarter point, as I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from the other day. But there have been moments it's up at 33. Give me a difference between those numbers. What do those mean to me? It's it's actually a measure of what we call standard deviation. If you go back to your high school high school statistics, don't make class. me do that. Four- don't you dare make me go back to high school. Well, well, I, I know that's that's when you were. I don't know if you were the cool kid or the bullied kid, but either <laughs> one, Tony. High school is not doesn't, doesn't bring back the fond memories, does it? But fourteen percent actually isn't bad. Thirty three percent is disastrous. Um, when Trump was in office, it was floating around ten, which is a much 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 better number than what we have right now. And you can't look at it a week ago. You got to look at it right now because it's, it's a snapshot in time. It's constantly changing second to second. Yeah. And that's what gets fascinating because right now I'm, I'm looking at this. I think I'm looking at it right. And it's like 14 and a half. And so I'm yep. saying they don't look like people who are afraid. So I'm, I, I, but, exactly- but you see it. And based on these indicators as they are looking at what's coming and the fear is here. We, we just don't see it yet. No, no, Tony. Right now, at this moment in the market, this very second, the market says, okay, there's moderate risk. But the other day, when Jerome Powell made his announcement, the risk shot up. It was very high. So it's constantly changing. It reads, literally, it reads the pulse of the market. The, we are going to see this fear. Is, is it 
That, is that what we see when the manufacturers say we're not producing? Is that what we see when the retailers say we expect down? Or is there another indicator, something else out there that if you watch that, you're very big on the producer price index, the PPI, the idea of actually producing the stuff that, that we buy. Is there something else to be looking at as an indicator of, oh, this is a problem? Well, well Tony, let me, let me not let people misinterpret the VIX. If it's low, 14%, that doesn't mean things are good. Or 10%, that doesn't mean things are good. It just means there's no uncertainty. It's the uncertainty that causes that number to go up. If we are certain there's going to be a recession and everyone agrees and there's no dispute, that number will go down. That doesn't mean it's positive. It just means, okay, we know things are going to be bad. It's a fact. That is right so now, the unknown. That is so wholly damn counterintuitive and yet makes so much sense. We're certain things are going to hit the crapper. Like that's a that's 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 crazy town. That doesn't seem to make sense. You would think that it would go the 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 other way, and we would see it if if we're understanding this VIX properly in big number. Your argument is no. This is about certitude that things are going in a bad direction. Is there another indicator that you look at that that adds on to this proof? Well, Tony, it's a combination and. The reason I brought up the VIX is because it's a measure of certainty. It's the fear, it's the risk, and it's moderate right now. But combine it with what you told me earlier, and that is that we have this consumer or the inventories that are declining, the holiday season ordering is slowing. Those are, we now certain, we have that data. That is certain. We know that that is happening. That's a fact. So those facts cause the VIX to go down but not for a good reason. Yeah, the, the story came from Bloomberg News. U.S. factory production remained sluggish in May, suggesting manufacturers are growing cautious in the face of tepid global demand and equipment spending. We talk often about focusing on the United States, uh, but we know that the European Central Bank raised rates by a quarter point. They're still trying to deal with this inflation issue. Uh, on the world stage, is, is this global recession or is this limited to certain sectors, certain areas, certain countries. Okay, well, let's not have an opinion. Let's say facts. Fact. Europe just went into a recession two weeks ago. Fact. China came in about half of what the forecasted GDP growth for the country was. Fact. Global orders are down. I don't know. Is that global recession? I'll let you define it. Yeah, and we all know that China lies. So when they say they're down half, it's it's very possible they're down much much further uh, than that. Um, you have you and I have discussed. Do you spend your money now, or do you put your money in a money market now? And there was a time where you're like, no, buy things because your cash will be worth less later. The last time we spoke, you reminded people that money markets were at 5%. And I said, full disclosure, that a couple weeks before you had brought that up, I I moved money out of, out of a bank and put it into a, a money market because it was much better uh, return for me. And those six-month treasuries are still even paying higher, and they're paying higher uh, than, than the 10-year treasuries for sure. Are you still in the money market and hold it world? Not that you give investment advice on this show, but just as a concept? Or are you in the you better buy the things you need now before it's too late world? Okay, okay based on the last time we spoke, Tony, my opinion has shifted a little bit. It shifted because of the data that you just presented, that consumers are buying now in anticipation of things getting worse. So add that to the equation, but it's still better to have a 5% six-month investment than it is to go out and purchase a bunch of assets. If you need the asset, 
buy it now. If you don't need it, put in put it in a five percent investment. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L. That's where you find him on Twitter. Be sure to follow him. Sir, I always appreciate you taking the time. More to get to. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. For days on days on days now, I've been discussing that the Trump indictment's a big story. The border is a big story. China is always a big story. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to these stories. But the idea that there is a form filled out by the FBI, an FD-1023, detailing an interview that was done with a paid informant who has credibility, saying that a bribe went from Burisma, this energy company out of Ukraine, $5 million to Joe Biden, then Vice President of the United States, and Hunter Biden, the drug-addled son of Joe Biden, that it was within the context of that we get this famous audio clip regarding Joe Biden. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. And that clip, that statement from Biden, is that what he got $5 million to do? I mean, this is one heck of an allegation, an allegation that doesn't get investigated. My God, we've got five years of investigation into Hunter Biden. We still don't have an investigation. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz, today, I have made the argument that this is the biggest story in America. David Marcus has made that argument stronger than I have. His piece in the Daily Mail just the other day, after that indictment, read the full jaw-dropping story of the $10 million Biden-Ukraine bribery claims and wonder, why don't the feds care about scandalous allegations that would have eaten Trump alive? David Marcus joins us uh, right now. You can follow him on the Twitter box, if you choose, at Blue Box Dave. How is this not the biggest story in America in all news outlets? And why do you consider it the biggest story in America? I mean, it's not the biggest story because most news outlets want to protect Joe Biden. I mean, that's not a new narrative. It took them two years to admit that Hunter Biden's laptop was Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. And remember, at no point during those two years did anybody in Biden world deny that it was his laptop. So this isn't particularly new. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to protect Joe Biden here. But the game changer was last Friday. I guess it was a week ago when we found out, you know, they had slow walked this FBI. Oh, we're not going to give it to you. Maybe we will. You can look at, you know. And Friday we heard the word Burisma. 
And Tony, once we heard the word Burisma, we knew in the words of Joe Biden that this was a big effing deal because Burisma is the linchpin of the whole corruption saga. And you want to know why? There's, there's, There's honestly only one reason why. It's that nobody on earth can claim that there is an innocent explanation for Hunter Biden getting $80,000 a month from Burisma while his father was in charge of Ukraine. Nobody even tries, Tony. Because I I agree. They know that this was about the nepotism, but we've seen nepotism in D.C. before. I just didn't realize there were so many opportunities in Ukraine. I think Nancy Pelosi has a child dealing with Ukraine. I think Mitt Romney, the senator from Utah, has a child dealing with Ukraine. You're right, of course, that media doesn't want to cover the story because it's helpful to Joe Biden. But that's different than whether or not they even acknowledge that a story exists with the laptop. They just decided to go along with that that ugly letter and whether or not the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, actually brought that letter to existence about, hey, call this Russian misinformation. They had a reason not to cover it. They don't really have a reason not to cover this FD-1023, I mean, the form is the form. It says what it says. Yeah, and, it, and it's more than that, right? I mean, it was only last month um, that James Comer was able to provide evidence that, lo and behold, this wasn't just money, foreign money, that was going to Hunter Biden. It wasn't just foreign money that was going to the president's brother. Nine members of the Biden family were getting millions of dollars from these foreign companies for no discernible reason. So, you know, taking each one of these, each one of these bombshells taken on their own, you can see how in the newsrooms of the New York Times and CBS News, they convince themselves, oh, well, on its own, this isn't a big deal. But taken in context, this is obviously an enormous scandal. Uh, And, 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 And the fact that the media won't report on it is also a scandal in and of itself. Talking to David Marcus, you can read his work at Daily Mail. His latest book, Charade, The COVID Lies That Crushed a Nation, available at Amazon.com. Charade, The COVID Lies That Crushed a Nation. Let me get back to these phone calls. Um, there is within this FD-1023 form, which details the interview with a paid informant, that there are possibly 17 phone calls that exist, 15 with a Burisma executive and Hunter Biden, two with a, a Burisma executive and then Vice President Joe Biden discussing, well, we don't know what, but as was described by Senator Chuck Grassley on the floor of the Senate, were kept, according to the Burisma executive, as an insurance policy. This was Senator Ron Johnson just the other day, the senator from Wisconsin, talking about those tapes. We have phone calls that were secretly recorded well, as insurance policies, that's, apparently. That's, that's, what, that's what this person says. But again, take that with a grain of salt. This could be coming from a very corrupt oligarch who could be making this stuff up. So Senator Johnson is saying that the phone call should be taken with a grain of salt. We've discussed it here on the show that this on the form simply shows how an investigation should be taking place. Do we know anything else about these phone calls? Have we been able to prove that these these conversations happened or what's in them? And isn't this on a form, this in an interview, again, we can play the game, if it was Trump, isn't that 
in connection with some of these other conversations enough for any investigation for any other person to happen? Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's no question here. There's there's more smoke here than there was in, in New York a week and a half ago. I mean, it, this is, but, but you nailed the problem, right? Again, you go back to every granular piece of evidence and you can see how the media will convince itself to ignore it. Do we know for, for certain that these uh, phone calls exist? No, we don't. Do we know for certain a, a lot of these things? No, we don't. But the difference and what we're seeing now is because Republicans took the House of Representatives for the very first time, we're seeing actual investigations, actual probes. They can compel documents, right? If Republicans had controlled the House in 2020, they could have been getting these documents from Chris Ray back then, right? That's the difference here. And that's why this story is not going to go away. I mean, I think that Comer has already hinted that, you know, the, the next, thing that he's going to prove with, with tens of mil- more tens of millions of dollars. So with Republicans in the House, the media can try to ignore this, but there's going to come a point in time when there's just too much. The idea of Republicans controlling the House brings us back to Representative uh, James Comer of Kentucky and that the pressure put on Christopher Ray, the FBI director, to present this document, because at first Christopher Ray said he wouldn't. Then he said he would only present it redacted in a SCIF, a secure compartmentalized information facility, to which Representative Comer then came back and said, we're going to hold you in contempt. And Democrats got up in arms, and Christopher Ray blinked. Shouldn't this be the indication to, to the Republicans, you have the power, you better damn well use it. I think so, yes. And, and, and I think that we see every indication of that. I think that, you know, the fight for the speakership was messy and it divided a lot of us. And it was, but at the end of the day, I think it was better for the Republican conference, even though we still see bickering, that they just had the knockdown, drag out fight at the very beginning. Because Speaker McCarthy and the leadership team now absolutely understand that as far as these investigations go, they, they basically need to write a blank check to these Republican committees. Like, we can have arguments about the budget. We can have arguments about other things. But on this, I think Republican leadership understands that it's just full steam ahead. Have you, in, in, in your analysis, as you've been watching this, certainly we've heard Comer, certainly we've heard Senator Grassley. Has the Republican Party come around to backing these guys up you know it's one thing to say you think they 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 will do it have you heard them say they will do it that they will bring the pressure to bear that they will force america to to take a look at this when i say america i mean abc nbc cbs msnbc and cnn yeah i I think i think that we have seen some of that I, i think certainly speaker mccarthy had comers back on the threat to hold Christopher Ray in contempt, right? And, and without that backing from McCarthy, Comer's threat would not have been as, as weighty and, and hefty. So, I mean, I think that was significant. I think in, in general, McCarthy has been, has, has basically given these guys carte blanche um, in terms of what they want to do with the investigation. And I think you also saw, I don't know if you saw the clip of McCarthy going after the CNN reporter about, you know, having Andrew McCabe being a legal analyst on, on CNN when, when, when his, you know, dirty fingerprints are all over this story, right? 
So, so I do think this is an area where Republicans are very united and, and will keep their eyes on the prize. David Marcus, you can find his work at Daily Mail, uh, dailymail.co.uk. The book, Charade, The COVID Lies That Crushed a Nation, available at Amazon.com. David, always a pleasure. Appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Thought it was pretty fascinating, the story that was out that stated that the average American, I guess we'd call it family because we're talking about Father's Day here, the average American is going to spend $192 on Father's Day. And I'm like, my gosh, that's a tremendous number of ties. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything at TonyCats.com. I wish you would head on over there. We're building a whole world over there. We've moved everything out of Facebook. The Facebook stuff we do is minimal at best. They can't be trusted. You can't trust Zuckerberg. You can't trust this team. How they lied and and prevented information about COVID, about the Hunter Biden laptop, how they throttle, throttle people who aren't paying them crazy money to move the content. Some people, don't get me wrong, they have figured it out. For far too many of us, This is brutal, just absolutely positively brutal. And so I moved it all over to a place called Locals, and you can get there at TonyCats.com. You can check everything, and you can subscribe if you want. I always appreciate the support. I truly do, and can't thank you guys enough for everything that, that you've done for me. I mentioned yesterday, Father's Day has been on my mind more than ever. More than ever. I'm a dad. been a dad for a while now. It never, never moved me. I never looked for gifts from my kids. I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever gotten a Father's Day gift from my kids. We're not big gift people, right? It, 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 it comes from the concept that gifts do not equal love. And we have seen, my, my wife and I have seen where people do this. We've watched this happen in a very up close way where it's the idea that the gift, the size of the gift, the amount of the gift, that proves how much you love somebody. And we've always looked at each other and said, that's not right. Now it's possible we're like this because for the first years of our marriage, we were as broke as broke can be. Could not have been more broke. Broke and then did well and then lost everything and were broke. When we lived in California, if it wasn't for Craigslist, my kids would not have had clothes. Would not have had clothes. My wife uh, trading with people, uh, buying things for for a quarter and selling them for a buck, doing the things to help our family survive. It was it was madness. And uh, bless that woman because she said, "I'm in this. I'm in this to win it. I'm in it for the fight. This family's worth it. Let's go to work. Uh, uh, Find a good partner, people." That's 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 good advice. Find a good partner, and if you're having issues, figure out how you make it better. At least try. You got to at least try. But we never, maybe because of that, we never looked at gifts as love. That you couldn't afford the gift doesn't mean that you don't love, doesn't mean that you don't care. And the idea that someone would look at love based on the size or strength or value of the gift was, it's gross. Those videos are that are out there, of like like a dad giving their daughter a car and the daughter's like, I wanted it in white. Why is it green? You, you're just the worst kind of person. 
just the worst. There's there these there's this episode like I always think these people are paid actors. There's an episode of Dr. Phil where this this teenager's like I have to have a G-Wagon. We're talking about the Mercedes. We're talking about I, I think there's a waiting list. There's a there's a I, I don't know if you get approved, you gotta take a blood test. I'm not sure what you have to do. Oh, I have to have a G-Wagon. I can't survive without a G-Wagon. And I say to myself, there's just no way that person really exists. And the answer is yes, they do. I was never a gift guy. We didn't instill in our, our kids that the gift is what means the love. I still believe that to this day. But lately, I am far more in favor of the recognition of Father's Day than ever before. The necessity for this role model in, in, in a kid's life, in, 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 in life in general, in society, the need for this and for the, the well, the thanking of it the recognition of its role in creating a valuable society because when you don't have it, we've seen the results of not having it and they're not results that we should be proud of. So if I were you, I would uh, go celebrate Father's Day. You don't have to do it with a gift. If you want to do a gift, I've got Let's Go Barbecue. That's right. I'll do the little plug because I am doing the book signing this Saturday uh, there at Sullivan Hardware and Garden, 71st and Keystone. That's in the Indianapolis area from noon to 2 p.m. They're having a big event out there at Sullivan Hardware and Garden. We'll be there noon to 2 signing the book. We've got Let's Go Barbecue and Let's Go Bourbon. I mean, I'm not saying people aren't going to buy a gift. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a gift. I'm saying it doesn't have to be about some big, big grand gesture. Love is what matters. Recognition is what matters. But I hope to see you out there for the book signing. Let's go barbecue. Recipes, tips, and tales from the pit. That is Saturday noon to 2 at Sullivan Hardware and Garden in Indianapolis. I hope to catch you there. I'll catch you Monday, everyone. Take care. Take care.